Welcome to the podcast series for the Journal of Neurophysiology. I'm Bill Yates, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal, and today we will be discussing the article, Rhythmic Arm Cycling Training Improves Walking and Neurophysiological Integrity in Chronic Stroke, The Arms Can Give Legs a Helping Hand in Rehabilitation. This article was chosen for February's APS Select, a collection of the very best original research published by the American Physiological Society. Before we begin, let's meet our guests. Hi, I'm E. Paul Zare, and I'm a researcher at the University of Victoria in Canada, and I specialize in human motor control neuroscience with applications to rehabilitation. Thank you. Could you give us a brief background on the study of arm movement in a locomotor context? Now, a lot of times when we walk around as humans, we do lots of things with our arms and don't think about them as being part of the locomotor act itself. And in fact, a considerable body of research now exists suggesting that arms and legs are integrated in a what we might call a quadrupedal fashion while we walk around as bipeds. So we're kind of upright walking cats, basically, in terms of how our arms and legs interact during locomotion. And the rhythmic action of arms and legs are known to support each other through proprospinal connections and other supraspinal networks to kind of keep the arms and legs coordinated. And this is something that's really been emerging over about the last 20 years. What was your hypothesis regarding rhythmic arm training and improved walking following stroke? We had observed that rhythmic arm movement had significant effects on spinal cord excitability in folks without neurological damage. We also then studied folks who had stroke and found that a portion of that connection from the rhythmic arm movement was also detected in changes in spinal cord excitability in those with stroke. And the nature of these connections suggested to us based on other work that this was a locomotor activity being signaled from the arms to the legs. And so the basic idea we had was that perhaps if we could induce a sort of locomotor context for the spinal cord by getting the arms going, we might be able to, in a positive way, affect spinal cord excitability for leg muscles. And the hope that we had was that we'd be able to induce some changes that were meaningful and useful to folks who had stroke. And so basically our hypothesis was that we'd be able to access and retrain spinal cord networks for the legs by rhythmically activating in a habitual context, rhythmic networks for the arms. What kind of regime was used for rehabilitation and how did you assess the results? We used a very commonly available intervention in the sense that we used exercise equipment you could find in a rec center, which would be an arm cycle ergometer. Now, of course, we instrumented it and so on so we could make a bunch of measures, but the basic bit was doing rhythmic cycling with the arms and did it in a fairly common paradigm that's used for testing interventions. We did a a five-week training intervention where the folks with chronic stroke came into the lab and participated for 30 minutes of arm cycling three times per week over those five weeks. And before and after they did that, we did a bunch of baseline measures because in my lab, we prefer to use each subject as their own control. So we do multiple baselines to establish what the variability is for each person before we do the intervention, then test for changes after the intervention. And we did a host of measures that we had previously assessed and piloted over many other studies that were indicative of changes in connections between the arms and legs in the form of interlimb reflexes, in terms of reflex excitability in the arms and in the legs. So the spinal cord controlling arm movement and that controlling leg movement. 
We did things like strength to know what was going on in terms of arm and leg strength before and after the intervention. And we also did a number of different assessments based on clinical tests that are used to detect impairment of function and also functional ability after stroke and other nervous system damage. And we wanted to assess whether or not we'd be able to see any changes as a result of the intervention itself and applied the normal procedures in terms of how did things change in the group, as well as individual subject analysis telling us about how participants may have changed based on their baseline measures. And because we're dealing with participants with stroke who tend to present with an asymmetry of deficit, so one side is usually much more affected than the other side, although neurophysiologically there is no unaffected side after stroke. We know by making measures that even the side that seems to be spared as a result of the lesion still has deficits. We made sure that we made our assessments on both the more affected, that would be the side that had the largest deficits after the stroke, and the less affected sides. So what were your findings? Well, the findings that we got, to be totally honest, were far more than I could have ever anticipated would be the case. We hypothesized that we'd activate some of these networks and see changes, but in fact, we saw changes in pretty much all the domains we assessed in terms of strength, in terms of neurophysiological integrity, in terms of reflex function in the cervical and the lumbar spinal cord, so for the arms and legs. We saw some changes in terms of muscle activity during walking that were particularly important for those muscles on the more affected side that contribute to a lot of the deficits that folks with stroke have when they're walking. They have difficulty sort of picking up their toes. They have a kind of drop foot or foot drop that makes it difficult to walk without incurring a lot of extra energy expenditure. We found this was improved as a result of the training. We found a number of the clinical tests that were related to motor function were changed. And What's very interesting about this is it gives us results that were in line with the theoretical background we were trying to test. That is that we were activating locomotor central pattern generating networks from the spinal cord controlling the arms, the cervical spinal cord. And those networks, their job is to help normalize transmission and to produce smooth patterns of agonist and antagonist muscle activity when we move around. And in fact, we think that what we saw as a result of this intervention was this descending influence coming from activating the arms in a rhythmic context that was helping to restore and enhance the intrinsic function of the spinal cord for the legs and push it closer to the non-damaged state and strengthen some of those connections to help improve function, which were amazing findings actually to have and was a very interesting outcome because this intervention in stroke here is essentially the capstone of about 20 years of background work trying to understand interactions between the arms and legs and what happens to the different parts of the spinal cord when you're putting the arms or legs in rhythmic contexts. And it was incredible to see how powerful some of these effects could actually be. What are the research and clinical implications of your findings? I think one of the major implications of the findings that we have here is to really encourage people who are doing rehabilitative interventions for walking recovery after stroke, but almost certainly this also applies in other traumatic injuries like spinal cord injury and so on, that they really try to get the arms involved as part of the training context. For quite some time, locomotor interventions in neurotrauma have involved the arms as kind of tripods or as struts that people use to hold themselves up on a treadmill or on some sort of a supported walkway while the focus is on the legs only. And in fact, what our work is suggesting is that putting the arms in a rhythmic context 
so that they're moving in the normal neuronal signaling network that they would be if someone were actually walking around over the ground actually can help retrain those networks that control the legs. And so that's why we say that we think that the arms are giving the legs a helping hand here to help them facilitate muscle activity and normalize function in the legs. So I think it's really important that these things get addressed and incorporated into rehabilitation context um, and is something that I think can help enhance and facilitate the so-called normal or standard care that's used in rehabilitation. What are your thoughts about the timing of rehabilitation following stroke? Yeah, one of the things that our study really hits on and other work that we've done in this area is that when you examine folks who've had chronic stroke, and that means by definition it's more than six months after their stroke event, there's been an idea that's persisted in the literature for a while that perhaps they might not show that many gains in rehabilitation because the adaptive plasticity sort of window has closed. And in fact, what we see is that in folks many years, and in fact, in some cases, decades after their stroke event, still show massive adaptations in terms of neurophysiological plasticity, as well as functional outcomes that indicate benefits arising from doing the rehabilitative training. And I think the powerful message that this really gives us is that everyone should be making attempts to rehabilitate themselves no matter the time after an injury because there's some rehabilitative and adaptive neuroplasticity that all of us can tap into regardless of our age and our time after an injury. I'd like to thank Dr. Zaire for participating in today's discussion of the article, Rhythmic Arm Cycling Training Improves Walking and Neurophysiological Integrity in Chronic Stroke. The arms can give the legs a helping hand in rehabilitation. Part of the podcast series for the Journal of Neurophysiology. 